Hey there, this is Sean McMahon. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast and thanks for supporting the ministry by lending your ears, your minds, hearts, all that good stuff. Don't be afraid to share this here message with a friend or a family member, even a stranger. Have at. It's not like it's going to bite. These messages are recorded live at the Community Baptist Church of Gayhead and Aquino on Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, and the good old U.S. of A. If you're ever in town for a visit or suddenly find yourself shipwrecked on the southwest side of our lovely little island, climb up the clay cliffs and come on down to our little old chapel for our weekly 10 a.m. service. No need to wear anything special, just bring your special self. May God bless you. Scripture reading is taken from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? The word of the Lord. Simple, sweet. Now in the beginning, Bereshit is the word in Hebrew, which means in the beginning. It doesn't just mean the beginning of time. He's talking about in the beginning of everything, uh, as as if as if the beginning is is a is a point, uh, is a is an event. Bereshit. That's what it means. But in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, right, the first book of the Bible, it says that God planted a garden in Eden, and God formed a man out of the muck or the play-doh, and breathed life into him. And it says the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to tend to it and to guard it. That's a very specific set of duties. Okay, that's right at the beginning. This this set of duties has special meaning in the Bible because there's another place in the Bible where God appoints man the duty to tend and guard. And that place is the temple in Israel, the tabernacle. And he gave these special duties to special people, to priests. Okay. So the Holy Spirit is showing us something very important about Adam, about mankind, okay? And the vocation for which God made him. He made him a priest. He made mankind priests. Just as the Levites in the temple tended and guarded the holy temple and the tabernacle where the presence of God lived on earth, so also Adam tended and and guarded the garden where it says God walked in the cool of the day and said they would speak face to face. Now remember that, face to face. Now, if Adam is a priest, what does that tell us about the garden? It tells us that the garden was a temple. It was a temple in the beginning. And it says Adam was cast out of this temple when he and his wife sinned. We don't see another priest in Scripture, in the narrative of, of Scripture, until a man named Melchizedek, who's called the king of Salem and the priest of the Most High. And he ministers to Abraham, the patriarch, and blesses his victory over the king of Elam, and it says that Melchizedek performs this blessing by making a holy offering of bread and wine. Bread and wine. This is an old, old story. Now, this bread and wine have sacred meaning. When God later commands Moses, many, many generations later, to build the tabernacle, which is basically a portable temple in the wilderness, the priests there were given the duty to tend and guard. Right, just like Adam, three sacred objects that were in that tabernacle. The Ark of the Covenant with the Law of Moses in it. The Golden Lampstand or Menorah. 
and the golden table of what's called the showbread. The showbread, okay? This golden table also carried special vessels of gold to make a holy drink offering, and that drink offering was wine. So once again, we see the same offering of Melchizedek. We see bread and wine many generations later. There's this little sacred secret that's being carried through, okay? Now this showbread, that term is a shortening of what the Hebrew would call the bread of the presence, but the actual Hebrew word for presence is only called presence in the English translation there. It's actually the face. It means the bread of the face. That's the literal translation, the bread of the face. That's why it's said in the Bible that the priests who enter the Holy of Holies, they would behold God face to face because of the bread of the face. That's what was in there when they went in there. Okay, now didn't God say, on the mountain, he said, no one can see my face and live. He said that to Moses in Exodus 33. Well, in fact, the face that these priests saw was the bread of the face in the Holy of Holies. And this is also how he was seen by Aaron, by Nadab, by Abihu, and by the 70 Israel, uh, elders of Israel when Moses took them up to Mount Sinai. And note what it says, Exodus 24. It says, they all saw the God of Israel. They saw the God of Israel they saw him as they ate and drank, right? Now, this story is very ancient. It's in the days of the Old Covenant, thousands of years ago, but it reigns true. It reigns right and true millennia later, as St. Paul writes in his first letter to the Corinthian church, where this idea of the presence of the Lord in bread and wine is just as strong, if not stronger, in the Eucharist and the Lord's Supper that they're practicing. He says, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord bread and wine, in an unworthy manner will be guilty, guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord, okay, of God. Each one must examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. He says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Okay, with, the, with the Thanksgiving meal of bread and wine being the central act of Christian worship in the church, just as it was for the Levites in the temple and for Melchizedek, right? And knowing that this bread is the bread of the face, knowing all this together, we realize now that the Holy Spirit was making a Eucharistic statement through John the Revelator when he said of the kingdom of God that Jesus came to restore. John said, I saw no temple there in the kingdom of God. He says, because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, okay? And his servants will worship him, and they'll see him face to face. They'll see his face. Now, if you put that alongside St. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians, well, he says, Do you not know that you yourself are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in you? That might seem like a contradictory... Are you all right? You okay, baby? That might seem like a contradictory statement, because in one case, right, John says, I didn't see a temple in there. I saw no temple in the kingdom of God. And then, of course, St. Paul is saying, well, you are the temple of God. Are these contradictory statements? No, because John said he saw no temple, meaning there was no visible temple like there used to be in Israel. But he still affirmed that there is a temple there because he says it's the Lord Almighty and the Lamb. So this makes St. Paul's statement all the more powerful when he tells us that we are the temple because these are the same temple that he's talking about. Not because we are the Lord Almighty or the Lamb, 
right? Two persons in the Trinity, but because the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, dwells in us. That, that's what makes us a temple. That's what makes anything a temple, if God dwells there. And so in this way, God has restored paradise to us, okay? Eden restored in Christ because we once again have a temple that wasn't made with human hands, but was made by God, just like the temple of Eden in the beginning. The temple of the Holy Spirit, the church is built by God, by his Holy Spirit, jumping into people's hearts, right? And in this Eden, we can eat the fruit of the tree of life, which Adam was forbidden to eat. And that fruit is the vine of Christ. We drink its wine, no less, the, uh, the blood of, uh, of the covenant. So it's no coincidence that the bread and wine offering... Well, you know what? Lucky for you, we're talking about this drink right now, and we'll have it like, in five minutes, if you're patient. <laughs> uh, it's no coincidence that the bread and wine offering have been the heart of the church's worship since Christ first instituted the Lord's Supper. Not simply because he commanded us to do it, but also because of what he said it is, what he said the bread and wine is. He said it's his body and his blood. He said, I am the bread of life. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and, eat and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, he explained this statement and said that what he means is his word is spirit and life. And it's, it's good food for you. And it, it informs how you live. Wise Peter understood that Jesus has the words of eternal life. So if you do his word, you're eating his flesh and drinking his blood. So Peter committed himself after hearing these words, along with the other apostles, to, to stay in Christ's word, right? That's truly the way which God opened for us to be temples of his presence, by following his word and living it. But when we partake of the bread and wine that Christ commanded us, to do in his memory, we're doing something special. We're participating in an ancient rite of the kingdom of God, so ancient that it stretches back to Eden, right? Because Adam was not only the priest of Eden, he was also its king, okay? Because God, the king, said, let us make man in our image. So he made him like a king. It says he gave him dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the earth, dominion over all the earth. That sounds pretty kingly to me. That sounds like a kingdom was given to mankind in the beginning, not just a priesthood, a kingdom. So not only has God restored the temple and restored the kingdom that was from old, but he also raises to life everyone who trusts in him. And since they are raised in him, that means also that everyone who's been raised before were in communion with them, right? Because it says we're all the body of Christ. And if people are raised in him, that means we're with them right now, right? I think that's why when people walk into this chapel, they feel a sacred presence of the people who came before. Well, I think it's because people who come here, they love here, right? They love being here and they love this chapel. And now that they've gone on to heaven, I think they take special care of us here, right? So I think that's what we're feeling. And all of these mysteries and more are made present to us when we celebrate communion. That's why we do it, to reveal it to ourselves, right? Just as though they were at one time present to the priests of Eden. These mysteries were partially revealed uh, to the priests as well in Israel, but those were all patterns of foreshadowings of Christ. But we receive these gifts in full through Christ. So when we take communion, we take part in something that goes back to the beginning of the world, more ancient than anything 
in which everything is made perfect in this meal because it's the meal of Christ and everything is made perfect in Christ. So let's receive it with reverence, with thanksgiving since we're a royal priesthood offering thanksgiving to God, remembering the priests who went before us like Adam, Melchizedek, like Aaron, like David, and of course the author and forerunner of our faith, the high priest of our confession, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we are knit together as a holy yeah. temple to the Lord. Amen. And bless, and, uh, and bless my school. And bless your school. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Sean McMahon Podcast. Visit SeanSellickMcMahon.com for more information about his ministry. For more about Sean's music, please visit WorkmanSong.com.